Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Friday Fight Podcast, where we rank, recap, and review any movie in a given horror franchise. What are we talking about today? Today we're covering 2022's Netflix Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by David Blue Garcia, screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin, and a return of Fede and Roto from the Evil Dead remake and the Don't Breathe film franchise. Yes. Did the story. Love it. Um, initial thoughts. I enjoyed it. Uh, wow, really? Yeah. I don't know why I assumed you were going to come in not liking this movie. I had no, well, I had like some like my family made little comments to me, which we'll what talk about. What are these about. comments? They what? were they were talking about the characters, and <laughs> this is no shade to my family. Okay, no shade, zero shade here. Zero guys. shade family. No shade. No shade. They were like, all of these characters were just really woke. Okay. And I was like watching this, and I was like, what are they talking about? Excuse me. Until the end, like towards the end, when a phone was pulled out and a, a phrase was used, canceled. Then I was like, "Okay, I see that." But like, you don't think th- these characters are woke AF, dog? I think no. I just think that they're. I don't know. I just feel I. I don't see the problem. Okay, here. how? Well, let's have this really <laughs> short discussion real quick. There's a crux of the film for me, and that is the characters. And I think a lot of the people that are, uh, I think your your family isn't alone. I think a lot of like the the people who like on Twitter or whatever have mm-hmm. the very similar criticisms. Okay. Now, and it's about the characters and and how they are and they're too woke or whatever. Um, regardless of whether you think that is true or not, do you like the 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 cast of characters we get? I did not dislike it at all. You didn't dislike them. I think the only one I did dislike was just the casting, and this is no shade to the actress, the casting of Elsie Fisher. Oh, wow. I love Elsie Fisher. I love Elsie Fisher as an actress, but I just did not really enjoy her character in this film. I didn't think that she brought a lot of, like, genuine fear to the role. Right. Here, let's go down the cast list, because I, I loved uh, Elsie Fisher in the film, you know, of uh, Bo Burnham, 8th grade fame. Love 8th grade. 8th grade is a fantastic film. Made me cry, made me laugh, made me feel so many things. And in this movie, she's playing Lila. She's um, she she survived a school shooting. That's Which, kind of her backstory. I mean, I guess, and if you want to dig deep into her characterization of Lila, mm-hmm. we don't know what that's like to go through a school shooting like yeah. that. Um, I've never personally been through one, but we hear it every day. Yeah, I've, it's not uncommon anymore. It's not uncommon anymore. It's actually very much part of our society, kids, our norm. Yeah, kids that go to school are just mm-hmm. like. That's on their mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to get into that because it's a whole ordeal. thing, a whole ordeal. But I guess in my brain, I was like, oh, she didn't bring a lot of fear to it. But then again, if you go through that, I guess maybe you've kind of already dealt with yeah, fear. Yeah, I think that's kind of part of it. And in the movie, you see some points where she's just kind of like zoning out yeah. completely. And I think that's part of, you being know, like, having experience. And being, being, a little, tr- being a little triggered, I guess. Traumatized, jaded yeah. about it. 
Uh, we have Sarah Yarkin playing Melody, Lila's sister. Really enjoyed this actress. You, you really liked her. enjoyed her. Me too. I think you know she she has a certain look to her. Yeah. Um, and I think her performance it does have the range because I feel like part of her characterization and how she interacts with with, with the emotions that go into her character are very specific. Mm-hmm. And I think she really does a good job of uh, expressing that to the audience. Yep. I, I do have some gripes about the movie, but I mean, we'll get into it. It's not, not a lot, um, but yeah, really enjoyed Melody. Melody. We have Mark Burnham playing as Leatherface. Apparently he was cast because of his physique, his imposing stature and physicality. Makes sense. He was perfect. He's big. He's perfect. That is very important for you. It's a, it's a very important thing because in, I mean, even in the original. He was a big guy. Just a really, like he's a tower. Yeah, I think the like enjoyment of the original movie is inextricable with Gunnar Hansen and like his mm-hmm. performance. So I Absolutely. can see how like having the right person play Leatherface is a big deal. And even in the um, 2003 and uh, the the beginning remakes, like that one, that Leatherface also did a, an amazing job. So if you are if you are a big guy in stature, tall and wide, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, I implore you. And I'm begging you to be Leatherface for Halloween and or send us photos of you being Leatherface for Halloween. Which Please. I think is a pretty easy costume to muster up. Pretty really much. easy. Uh, all you need is like, well, I mean, I guess it depends on which one you want to do. You There's do so many a, different versions. Yeah, you can yeah. do a suit, you can do a dress, you can do the butcher apron mm-hmm. going on. Um, we also have Jacob Lattimore playing Dante Spivey. Now, he and Melody are kind of like, Dante and Melody, they're like, uh, social influencer chefs. Yeah, uh, very interesting dynamic. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. And Dante's coming with his girlfriend, Ruth, being played by Neil Hudson. I'll be honest, throughout the whole movie, I did not hear them mention her name one time. I don't know if they did. They Literally, I, I watch movies with subtitles. Yes. Because I feel like I miss out on everything that's happening, so I need to make sure that I am... Tuned in. You know, tuned in. And I don't miss like s- small things because sometimes they do have those weird little background conversations that are important later. And I'm like, why would they do this to me? You miss out on it. You miss out on it. And every time it mentions her talking, it says Dante's partner. Dude, that is kind of messed up because I feel like her name is Ruth, but it's only like in the script. Yeah. Because we I, don't get to know Ruth. We get to know Dante's partner. Yeah. Which is kind of messed up because I feel like she gets a lot of screen time. She, she does. has a whole scene with Leatherface, just her and him, like for she an extended does, period of she time. She also does. Well, I can't even say, like, individually, everyone has done a, a great job. And I do have a gripe about one person per se, but right. that is it. As far as performances go. Okay. So those those are our main four. You know, yeah. we, ha- we, ha- we have this cast and crew. Um, and the whole plot of the movie is essentially that they're going into a town. Like a mostly... Harlow, Texas. Harlow, Texas that is mostly abandoned. Can I tell you something really weird? It's, yeah. it's a, little, it's a little, it's a little confession. Confess. So... Child. <laughs> in ninth grade, we had like a family consumer sciences classes and they, instead of letting you take a baby home, because that was for like the more, chi- like further into the child okay, development advanced. courses. Um, yeah, more like advanced ones. Um, that's also part of your, like if that was that your career pathway. Well, in my career pathway, it wasn't. I was just in the intro to it. So family consumer sciences, general class. You had to take an egg home and that was your baby. Okay, yeah. And... I named my baby Harlow because I thought Harlow was like a cool combination between Harley and Willow. I love it. Harlow. I do too. Yeah, it's a my great family name. all bullied me. They said it was a terrible name and I was like, I, I really, why. I don't know. Um, 
my baby did eventually. Uh, I had to write a paper on sudden infant death syndrome because somebody was spinning my baby around in the basket and they dropped it. So my baby. So you were neglecting the baby. No, I asked them to hold on to it for me. And they were like just spinning it around carelessly. And I was like, I feel like I shouldn't get in trouble for this. I feel like you should because that that means obviously you're an awful judge of character. Like who would drop their baby off with like a mania? Here's the thing. It's not a baby. It's an egg. I feel like people would treat it much different. If it was a baby? If it were an actual baby. So what happened to the egg? Um, it was not very, it was, uh, it was physically altered. Did it get, did it crack? It was, it was, I think they were, I don't know if they were hard boiled eggs or not, but it was definitely cracked. Okay. I think I had to put it in a plastic baggie. <laughs> were you, were you sad, mad, or did you think it was funny? Both. I was sad and mad. because well, Did that, you think it was be, funny at well, all? Be, no, I wasn't. I did not think it was funny because okay. it, first of all, it impacted my grade and I'm a brainiac. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, Harlow, Texas. Here we go. Yeah. We're in Harlow, Texas in there. It's, it's, you know, a town that, that not a lot of people live in. It's in, you know, deep South Texas. The population. 197, like 1,974. A, a oh really slight thing that's cool like a slight nugget for for the original for the release original. yeah that's awesome super cool um and the idea essentially is that they're going to open up a shop and make this area into a utopia for people that and then they will have to worry about a lot of the struggles that you know this group of four faces where they're from and mm-hmm. they're kind of trying to build their own space down here in texas and this you know the movie starts off with them in a car driving just as we you know typically start a lot of Texas Chainsaw films and they come across a, a gas station and at the gas as station as per usual as they do yep and they, they have a television kind of showing off like like a documentary yeah about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre so it completely references the original film so this this movie is another timeline you know this is like our third timeline we're getting yep and we're going from this, this is pretty much a direct sequel it feels like to the original film would you say? Uh, I would say it. Um, the only thing that I think it's important to note, because I read this quote and I thought it was worth sharing, was that um, Fede, the guy who helped write this original story, he spoke about the relation to the other sequels, and he said that it does not explicably erase the continuity of them. He says when movies do that, sometimes it feels a bit disrespectful to all the other films. Some people love Texas Chainsaw too. I love a lot of things about that movie. It's so wacky and of its time, but the rest is just such a mess canon-wise. I think yeah. it's up to you to decide when and how the events of the other movies happen. So it kind of leaves it up to you. I mean, I would. I think that... That's the that's the beauty and the mess of the all the other films though is that they could theoretically be all like, they could all theoretically be related, but yeah, uh, that gets really messy though. Like could, like you said, absolutely. like really messy canon. So because I, that's why I'm such a harp on that continuity because right. story wise it wouldn't add up. It does seem like it's a relation to the to the original film, but like many many years later. Which I think is the best way to view it personally, because if you start adding in 
all those other movies and, and considering them canon, then it's kind of like it's just too messy. It gets, so it's easiest yeah. to just think of this as a sequel, I think, to the original film. Mm. Um, but anyway, at this gas station, there's a documentary playing on the TV about like Sarah Hardesty and the rest Sally. of the Sally. Sally Hardesty. Sarah. Tomato potato. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and apparently we get some little uh, tidbits of info that's that Sally has now gone on to be like a like a, like a ranger that has been hunting down Leatherface since since you know her tragedy has uh, has happened, but to no avail apparently. So I like this the storyline, but at the same time, I also dislike it. It almost, I, and I don't know how long the story was, how long ago the story was made before it was released. Yeah. But without spoiling anything, because I don't want to. It's a very similar storyline to another franchise that I don't want to name. That okay. makes me a little like, uh, and well, and the execution was just not as successful. Okay. And we'll get there when we get there. And I think you'll probably know when we get there because you'll probably see the, 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 the timeline and you'll be like, oh, this is very similar to something else we watched. Right. I promise you, because that's the first thing I thought, and I was like, interesting take. Okay. okay. It wasn't as well executed as the other franchises storyline there, but um, I also was like really upset because I was like, is this the original girl? And I was like staring really hard at her every time we got a, the chance to see her. And this was one of my biggest gripes. But then I found out that Marilyn Burns could not return for the role because she died in she 2014. Had, she had passed away. I, I so, do think, though, like, I, I think you could take it at face value. I think if you didn't look it up, like, I think most people would assume that, that it would have been the same her, person. Yeah. Because I think the casting was done well. It was done well. I was looking at her eyes. I was like, I could probably tell if it's her by the eyes. Like, I was really trying, <laughs> but they never really, like... It's just it's a long time in yeah, between. That, very so long So I don't time. blame you or anything. Um, but yeah, they're going, they're going to Texas and, uh, on their way out of getting the gas, this guy in a big truck pulls up. His name is Richter. Yeah. And Melody, not a big fan of this Richter guy, um, making fun of him for driving a truck. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we all know those truck drivers. There are some truck drivers out there who compensate for their small peepees. They got to have a real big truck to feel manly. Uh, and then, you know. And that's what Melody says. And then, yeah. unfortunately for her, we later found out that this Richter character is going to be involved in this movie because he's a mechanic that they're going to go see. Yeah, he's their contractor, which yeah. is like, oh, Melody, foot in the mouth immediately. Yeah. You know, I feel like a situation like that would probably happen to me. I could see that happening, yeah. I Because sometimes, sometimes I'm not... I mean, I've gotten better over the years where if I disagree with people, I, I sometimes... It's hard because whenever I disagree with people, it's hard for me not to say something, like not to say my piece. Yeah. And I've tried <laughs> my best as I've gotten older to just be like... Is this worth the headache? Yeah, I'm told I'm completely the opposite. I'd say I don't know if it's based on like upbringing or just personal, maybe your star sign or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I am so like peacekeeper. Like if it, even if it makes me look like oh they think I'm wrong, mm -hmm. even though I know I'm right, I'll just be like I just let it happen like that. It's well, fine. I, with me. I've also tried to get out of this like because I, I, I do I do like try to educate myself all the time, and there are some things online where it's like. 
you don't want to be a white savior kind of thing. Like if some, if somebody else may or may not be offended, it's not necessarily like as a bystander say something, whatever, but there's also like this weird boundary where it's like, there is a crossing that boundary at some point when you become like a white savior, when it's like, maybe they don't need you to say something right. and kind of thing. So I've also just tried to like retract or like, you know, also remind myself that people will have shitty opinions and yeah, it is not true. my job to change their shitty opinions. Yes. Um, even though some of it does pertain to things like people living in this life, being happy and it doesn't bother them. I'm glad it's, you say that because that kind of comes in up in this movie. Yeah. Um, once they get into town. Melody, I don't think subscribes to this uh, uh, I, way of thinking. I don't think um, because, you know, she does make these comments out there and Elsie uh, Fisher's character kind of has to like pull her back a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Melody does apologize for this saying like, like, uh, sorry, I know I don't have to fight your battles for you or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I really I do appreciate in general, like the sister dynamic. I feel like I love a good sister dynamic. We mm -hmm. don't get a lot of them. No, we don't. But we do. We do get a couple here in Lila and Melody. And let me tell you, like my my sister and I, we are literally like like this. So I love a good sister dynamic mm -hmm. just because like representation. Yeah, it's just it's just different i feel like you I mean you see some sister dynamics and some things but it's just not as well done as this one because i mean the two are polar opposites i mean not not that oh not not that opposite but like you know it's also just nice to see sisters that and this is just part of the casting i guess mm -hmm. that don't really physically look alike as well yeah. which is something that i grew up with where mm -hmm. my sister and i don't really look alike but sisters yeah and i feel like they have a very sibling relationship with each other like they're not fighting they're at odds yeah. often but you still see like you know an underlying level of just like care love and care exactly, exactly yeah well on the way into the town that the, the four that we're following are they they meet up with a couple of the officers to get pulled over um and you know they're a little tense about the situation and the officer just tells them that hey like everybody knows that you're coming mm -hmm. uh uh, so, you know, a lot of the people that have been living here have been here for a while. So we just ask you to be respectful mm -hmm. to the community. And Melody, you know, talks to the officer for a second and says, like, yes, you know, our, our grandma lived here before. And they share like a saying that they used to have. And then they drive back into town into Harlow. And that's where they meet Richter, who ends up being their contractor. But they get into town. Richter's there. Uh, and like I said, I think this is a part of the movie where like this beginning part is where people have a big problem with the film mm -hmm. like like on the way out of the gas station for example the person the cashier uh you know was called them gentry fuckers okay uh because essentially they're coming from a different state and gentrifying this small town mm -hmm. like like and they you know people have been living here for a long time and you have this outside group of people that want to come come in and completely change everything mm -hmm. with disregard of like what you know, has previously existed for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, when when they first show up, they see a Confederate flag atop an orphanage inside inside mm -hmm. the small town. Great example for those children. And and he his immediate reaction is we have to go get that down. That cannot be here mm -hmm. uh, because we have the investors coming. He he gets out of the car and he says something like like late stage capitalism. He's excited about it, and I think I th I I think this movie. I don't know how much of it is. Um, I don't think this movie takes a side on anything or yeah, anything. I, I think it's, it's not just explicit. I think it's just more modern. I think this film uh, engages with um, a lot of like 
uh, culturally relevant things and now. modern modern issues. Modern sure. issues, and I think just because it does doesn't make it woke, and it doesn't make it uh, make necessarily make a commentary. I think a lot of this stuff is just in our vocabulary now, and yes. I think a lot of people that rub against it in a wrong way might be just because. You know, they're not used to seeing this kind of thing, but that's just how time works. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, the, the, as time moves on, the movies reflect, you know, real yes. life. So while, while people might be used to, you know, a certain era of film and what's going on, or or even when movies started getting cell phones or things like that, like, that's just inevitable. Mm -hmm. We will have more movies that reflect, you know, the times or whatever. And I think this that's something that this movie does because it is very modern. 2022, it just came out last year. Right. So to me, it makes sense. All that being said, I am kind of on a different boat than you are okay. about the characters. I really dislike them. Really? I really dislike them. And and I, I don't I think part of it is intentional where I think, you know, in some movies, especially horror movies, they make you dislike a character mm -hmm. so that you can enjoy their death. Their death. Similarly to like um uh, the 90s movie, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, mm -hmm. the boyfriend, I forget his name. Yeah, yeah, Brad or something. He oh. he was awful, right? He was awful and I hated him and I and was you, like, die. Exactly. So I feel like... No, wait, that was Next Generation, I think. Yeah. Or was it Next Generation? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was Next Generation. But in that movie, you know, uh, intentionally like annoying character. Yeah. And I feel like our cast of characters here I mean, for there, me are really annoying. There is a bit of annoyance for sure. But I mean, overall, I thought they were... Like they all had a lot of like uh, not as much depth as they could have had, but they did have depth, and that's something that I enjoy from a character in general. I I agree with you. I agree with you because I feel like this movie, at the very least, despite whether you liked it or not, was definitely evocative of yeah. like a certain emotions. Whether like it, you disagree, like, I, like whenever I say that I liked them, I don't mean that they are likable characters. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean, I, but I you like, like that they have depth. And, mm -hmm. their characters. and I, I like the actors who portrayed them I see. and I liked the dynamics like we have a couple the rest are friends and then sisters like there, there's a lot of different things going on I see what you mean and like the story in general is enticing like oh mm -hmm. they're coming and trying to make this town better kind of thing which is what annoys me so much mm -hmm. like even the confederate flag I think Dante's completely wrong about wanting to take it down well, well because of a few things like one, it definitely appears that he wants to take it down, not out of a sense of morality, mm -hmm. but because a, of investors of a financial situation. You know what I mean? And 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 I feel like that comes up a couple of times. Like even when he comes in, I say he 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 prides himself in like this being late stage capitalism, and this is a capitalist endeavor that they're on. They're basically trying to kick everybody out of this town that's been living there for a while. Which is not cool. It's not cool. I mean, I don't, you see a lot of places doing this. I mean, hell, even Nashville's doing this. Yes. That's East how, Nashville specifically. People are getting, you know, the, their rent is getting up too high. They can't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're getting kicked out by, you know, this like wave of other people coming in. You see it specifically in East Nashville that I know of because there are a lot of like... Um, not low income, but lower income, like yeah. housing areas and apartments. And you see those people being impacted by like big power outages because of like big, like Nissan stadium having gigantic concerts and people can't support the power like in other yeah. places. Like those are the first places that will receive those power hour outages. But then you also have up and coming like new hip restaurants. And then like even those places suffer a little bit too, but I mean, they keep adding these places. It's kind yeah. of like where we live now 
where there's if there's a a, a free space of land townhomes 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 so many townhomes yeah. so many and unfortunately like you know i'm interested in civil engineering and city planning mm-hmm. none of it is made with a lot of foresight so it a lot of it ends up causing problems uh, yeah. for like the infrastructure of the city um and annoys the hell out of me and it makes me feel like nobody's thinking about this yep uh which is very unfortunate but i don't think that's unique to us that's just probably american cities across the board unfortunately mm-hmm. um one of the buildings in this little town is like this orphanage, right? Right. This 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 dilapidated orphanage who is uh, who only two people live in, because it's no longer an orphanage. Uh, it has it has since retired as its as an orphanage, and it now belongs to Ginny, who. Why did I think her name was something different? You know, I did too. I feel like they called her Vern or like Virginia or something like oh, that. Oh, that's probably where it comes from, Ginny, Virginia. Uh- <laughs> Stupid, bro. Don't show this to my haters. They're going to be haters. Yeah, my haters. They're going to be like, take her off the podcast. She's dumb as bricks. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know either. J I N. That's three letters. That makes a lot of sense, though. Jenny from Virginia. Makes sense. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) Well, Jenny takes care of one of the boys that she's raised since he was young at the orphanage. Uh, we don't know immediately who he is, I guess. I mean, we know who we he know. is. It's Leatherface mm. that she's she's been raising for all this time. Here's my problem with this the storyline. In the photos, in in this in this like nineteen what seventy five is what it said. It, it did it? I think it said nineteen seventy five. Oh, wow. okay. So this would have happened a year after, after he killed all of these kids, right? And he was a kid. But he was not a kid. Yeah. In that film, that, that, makes was, a, no that sense. was a full-grown man, baby. And well, here's here's well, I mean, maybe this is what you're getting to. Mm-hmm. But if if this this movie obviously takes place in 2022, yeah, and 1974 was 50 years ago, right? So if he was 20 years old in the original Texas Chainsaw movie, he'd be 70 in this movie. That ma- he would not be having the strength to be doing all this <laughs> stuff, and that's uh, anyway. That's just another big gripe of mine where I'm like, really? It's just, what do you, what can you do? Just ignore the events of the original completely, say it's not tied in? Yeah, because then I'm like, where? Like, when did he become part of this orphanage? Like, he had this whole family. Especially if, you know, like Fide said, like, if he, if the other events of the other movies took place, like one through four, Mm -hmm. then he would have been much older. You know what I mean? Correct. Before he even came to the orphanage. Correct. I was like, well, in the like the 2003 remake, he would have been born in the 30s. And then like in the 60s, yeah. he was like, what, 30 something? This so problem. Then, He'd be almost 100 years old. Is what I'm thinking. I'm like, this motherfucker is like 100 years old killing people. There ain't no way. It doesn't really make much I'd sense. I'd be like, like, you have to like <laughs> use a wheelchair. I'm into it. That'd be a fun movie. That would be a fun movie. That'd be very camp if you guys wanted to do that. Go for it. I do like the camp. But Dante and Melody go into this house uh, and just to check it out, to take down the flag, they're not able to, you know, they get Richter to do that job. But while they're inside the house, they come across Ginny Mm -hmm. and they say to her, like, you're not supposed to be here. Like we, the bank foreclosed this property a long time ago. Which, that's also a big problem though, is like fucking... Fucking insurance, fucking banks, like all, all of these like big yep. capitalist schemes. Yep. I fucking hate it. 
Yeah, they're awful, aren't they? Yeah. And like this is a this is a woman who has prided her life in doing a lot of good for the world, taking care of orphans. And that's uh, of not all, an easy task. It's not an easy task. And it's you very know, they're, selfless. They're here in Texas, you mm-hmm. know, like like gun state uh, and you know very very red state. And you know she she's taking care of several orphans of of, of all colors, and she's also been holding back Leatherface from doing any killing for a long time. So right. so she's doing a lot of good for the community. But Dante and Melody are barging into this woman's home and mistakenly, like wrongly, kicking her oh, out of her own house. And when it's revealed that they fucked up, isn't that crazy? It's they, so sad. It is sad because. Ginny ends up collapsing and having a heart attack. And, and and it's all caused by these two like overzealous teens. Because of their like so she's like so stressed and high strung about the situation that she's like, I have the title, and they're like, You don't have the title. Like the entitlement that these characters have. Exactly. They're like, very you entitled. You think that you could just come into someone's house and demand to see their papers and stuff, like who the fuck are you? They've exactly. been in this town way longer than you've been born. Exactly, and and see, this is a, this is I think this nails a problem on the head that like I typically have, you mm-hmm. know, like remaining, you know, uh, like like removed from like any kind of political, mm-hmm. uh, you know, side or whatever. I think a lot of people who see the world in like black and white, right and wrong, yeah, uh, have this idea of just pushing what they think is the right thing to do. But I think in doing so, it doesn't help. And really, it creates a wider gap yeah. of disparity. And I think that's kind of what goes on here. Where, like, I feel like if you genuinely want to, you know, create bridges and uh, and narrow the gap, you actually want to form relationships with people that you might disagree with yeah. and, you know, come to terms on something. But these characters do not seem remotely interested in that. They just, they're very authoritarian and like just wanted to push their way. You know what that reminds me of is like, okay, so the actress Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria. Okay. Very great actress, very talented actress. Um, people, well, we have this big like mob culture, this cancel culture that comes mm. out. And because she was celebrating a family, like a family member's birthday and they had on, I think they had on like a MAGA thing or some sort of like it was something politically related to the Republican side mm. and people were like I can't believe you'd support that you probably voted for Trump and it's like first of all that's very invasive yeah second of all she has she does not owe you anything yes three we all have family members who are strongly supportive one way or the other that we may not agree with yeah. but we still love them and Obviously, we wish we could change their opinion, but we just can't do that. With I agree everybody. with you. I think there's a so, dehumanization yeah. of, um, like, like in this movie, representative Southern people. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, like, I live in the South, and I'm very prideful of the South, um, but I have views that aren't associated with the South. Right. And I think... I think people think of us as stupid. I think people think of us well, as... Well, everyone thinks I'm stupid online, so... <laughs> and, and and I think dehumanizing people like that is, is, is a, like, I don't know, just a shortcut to disaster. Because that's not what you want to do. We're because, all people at the end of the day. Because, like, just... I mean, obviously, the Confederate flag has a lot of, like, negative, negative connotations. And it does. But there's some nuance here. Like, she yeah. explains herself. And, like... And here's the thing. I am also not a fan of the Confederate flag. I'm not either. But 
this this woman lives in Texas. You right. know what I mean? And the way she explains her how she views the flag personally isn't in in in, in a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Like she explains that like it just reminds her of her dad. And while that may be, you know, whatever for her, it might, you know, affect other people negatively. It hasn't. And she lives in, in this place, Texas. So maybe there is a point where it could be communicated with her like, hey, this hurts another subset of people. But instead of approaching anywhere near that kind of like calm conversation, they just take it down. They intrude themselves their way in there. They barge in and do it themselves into a space that isn't there at all. And I think when we approach situations like this, it just it leads to violence. It mm-hmm. leads to nothing, no compromise. Divide and everything. Yeah. Um, I think that there's also like there's this like depth of sadness to, to Jenny when she's, but, but I mean, it's just like, she's so set in her ways and it's, it's, it's abundantly clear that she's living in the past a little bit. Yes. Um, but I mean, it's Texas and in a small town, a small town and like this ghost town, essentially hollow yeah. is a ghost town. It doesn't seem like they have a lot of, you know, uh, interaction with the outside world at large. So, I mean, it makes sense that she would think, Oh, this is okay. And, but she also uses an old term that they used back in like the fifties and sixties mm-hmm. to describe Dante and the kind of to people that Dante she, that she would raise in the orphanage as a black person instead of saying like I've raised young black boys. Mm-hmm. She just straight up says a different word that I don't even feel comfortable using because it just feels so old and like uneducated. Yes, and. And that's the thing, though, and they just immediately, which I mean, not to, not for me to say that they. Yeah, but you know. there is like like what I was saying earlier. There's nuance. Like her right. intention isn't to degrade anybody, you mm-hmm. know. Here and like to make any kind of change or strides, that needs to be like a, an actual sense of communication instead of like just aggressiveness. I think it would have like obviously in this like. Dante Dante Utopia kind of thing mm-hmm. or however they were trying to create this little community which the idea itself sounds great it sounds like it a sounds, cool the, yeah it sounds really cool without pushing out the, the old community yeah they have because they there have, needs to be an enmeshing and a, a relationship because you know what they could have done they could have like revamped that orphanage for her and you know, if she wanted to hire some some help, she could have, you know, started taking care of more children again. But then, I mean, barring anything with <laughs> Leatherface. Right. Um, but I mean. But who knows the possibilities? Who knows? But that, in a perfect world, that's what would have happened, I imagine, is that they it would have been a booming community. Yeah. She would have been heavily involved in it. And they could have educated her a little bit. And then they would have been. Happy neighbors. But that's not what happened here. It's <laughs> not what fucking not happened. happened at all. You know, Melody and Dante barge in there, say, this is ours, and you have to leave. The police officers remove her. Uh, she While she's having a heart attack, they put her in a van to go to the hospital. Uh, Leatherface is in the back seat with her. Melody wants to come along because she feels bad. Mm. Um, but Dante tells her, no, you can't go. Like, they're here. Like, the, the, the bus full of investors just got to the town. Like, we can't go. And then Ruth says, Dante's girlfriend that hey we have to leave like like i'll go for you you know like you guys do your thing me i'll go and make sure that she ends up okay yeah and then which is really selfless of ruth i mean to be like hey so you they're expecting you to you are the face of this community that's happening you go and do that and i'll go and make sure that the the woman's okay 
Exactly. Yeah. Like very supportive partner, like you said. Which is another thing I wanted to mention, though, is while they were like searching this house before um, Jenny even shows up and kind of is like, hey, what are y'all doing in my house kind of thing? Um, Like while Dante is going through things, Leatherface can be seen sitting in a chair at in one point in a frame like outside. like out, It was like a door frame and then Leatherface is in a chair and then obviously it goes to Mel and then it comes back and he's gone. So I was like, ooh. Now, okay, now that we're already on the subject of that, I got to say, I really enjoyed the cinematography in this film. Very well done. I feel well like done. there are some shots that are just, you could just pause and it's like a wallpaper or like like a painting yes. or something. Uh, that happens a few times. And I also just enjoy the editing mm-hmm. in the movie. I feel like this, we get some faster paced action shots. We do. And another cool thing that I really appreciate, and this was something that was kind of like, hinted to me by my family they were like oh man the kills in that movie are brutal and i was like okay looking forward to it i love a good like horror movie i love a good like gory horror movie i'm like yeah let's see what happens and when i tell you i was like when the first like few kills started happening i was my jaw was like yeah right my jaw dropped i was like oh my god this is gruesome it's gory i loved it it's and here's the thing i'm not typically a fan of this kind of thing but Mm -hmm. this movie makes it fun yeah like and it's like it's like visceral it's intentional it's cool it is really cool it's cool um so yeah i really enjoy that for sure we're we're changing you i love this yeah it is really interesting you know we've got i don't even do you know how many movies we've covered now Geraldine? we've covered so many movies we've covered like i think 20 movies or so Um, we'll have to keep count of all the movies but I mean, here we are at the at the finale of our third season, and now you're saying I enjoyed like the gore. I, I did. It was fun because <laughs> it's just my problem. Typically, it's just a, like, oh god, like I kind of view it as it being real. But I think now that I'm doing that less so and understanding these are fictional characters, yeah, um, it's it's desensitizing me a little bit. Whether or not that's good for my humanity. <laughs> I'm not sure, but you know, at least at least I'm watching these movies. You at know? least you're watching the movies with an open mind, open heart, and you're enjoying it. You're watching it for pure enjoyment. That's what that's what it's about, and okay. that's that's what the horror is. I'm, about. I'm getting there, like sure, short, shortly but surely. Yeah. Yeah, but um, Ginny's in the backseat of this this car that the 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 cops are driving her in, and they and she kind of holds Leatherface's hand and mm-hmm. says like, "You remember who you are, how I raised you." Don't go into my room. Yeah. And then she that's it. Lights out. She's gone. She is deader than dead. R.I.P. Uh, Leatherface immediately kicks into action, tries to put her oxygen mask on, uh, tries to, you know, bring her back to life, basically, or give her what she needs. It's not working out. And it the officer not. that's hanging out with them behind in the in the truck uh, grabs his hand, like, so he would stop messing with her. And Leatherface is not like this. No, he, get, he does not. He gets upset. Immediately just splits his freaking wrist in half. Ugh! And then shoves his bones into his own neck. That was the coolest. I was like, <gasps> what? And the way they do it is just like immediate. Like, and, and I think that's, like I said, is what makes it so visceral. It's also a testament to Leatherface's strength. But it's also like a story gap that I'm like, how old is this motherfucker? Would he really have that strength? I'm ignoring that part. It's hard. It's just, I just look at him. He's big and he's strong. He's big and he's strong, I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, but he, he does this to this officer. I forget what he does to the other officer. Does he just like? Um, he does that, and then somehow like shoots through the back of his head. I think something like that. But in any case, he demobilizes the uh, officer driving mm-hmm. uh, to have them like crash into like a giant field. It looks like a a big farming sunflower machine. sunflower field is what it looks like. Yes, it, I don't know what it is. They're like kind of naked sunflowers. They're very tall plants, whatever they were. I think they were naked sunflowers because they looked just like they had like the brown part of the sunflower, but without okay. all the beautiful petals. So maybe it was like the season where they're maybe dying kind of thing. So you think they are sunflowers? I think they are sunflowers. I'm not very familiar with flowers. Um, but they, they crash into the site. Ruth awakes to find that like, like oh, everything's messed up now. The guy behind me looks dead. Uh, the two people, like I don't see Leatherface or uh, his mom in the backseat. Uh, because he's kind of busy uh, dragging her out and then slicing her face off and then putting it on top of his own. And, you know, Leatherface is back. You know what's funny? And this is another complaint that um, a lot of my family and friends have made where they said that they didn't like his mask. They said that uh, he looked like a pig. And I was like, I honestly thought he was terrifying. Yeah, me too. I, like, I, I think liked it looks it. super scary. And, I, I really, and that it's his mom's. Yeah, that, that makes it even more messed up. But here's my thing. Is it really his mom? Actually, you know what? I Probably not his mom. Because like, but like his caretaker, his caretaker that has been basically his mother for many years, even though we still don't quite understand the storyline here between the the original and this. But I digress. His mother, whatever. Um, that's even more messed up, you know. Yeah, it is really messed up that you know that's whose face, and it's not like he hasn't treated it or anything. He just like slaps it on his face right slaps from her. Slaps on hers. his face, bloody. The only thing, my only thought, well, it was silly, but my only thought was just how's it keeping on his face. That was my only thought. Like, as not well, I imagine he just kind of got a couple, like a little bit of like the top of the head, like the scalp, yeah. and like pulled it over his or something. I yeah. don't, I don't know. Not that it matters. Not anything. that it matters, but logistically, we have questions. Yeah, uh, Ruth kind of enters like this very tense ridden scene where like she's stuck in this car she doesn't know what to do she doesn't want to open the door alert uh leatherface she hears that there's you know a radio in this cop car Mm -hmm. and she wants to communicate with them but trying to be really quiet about it this this scene was so tense and i had so much anxiety because i was like oh i wasn't sure if she was gonna make it i feel like if it was me i'd jump out and run just because leatherface is a huge guy i feel like he wouldn't be able to chase me but ruth might have been injured yeah. After being in a car crash. Um, unfortunately for her, she doesn't make it out. Leatherface appears uh, at the door side and stabs her in her tummy. He, like, rips her tummy open, yeah. essentially. But, um, so she's doing all of that, and then she sees the cop is still kind of alive, and then she pretends to kind of be dead, like the one-eye-open kind of situation. Yeah. Watching him, like, beat in the cop's face. And then her window is not open. So then he, like, beats her window open after the fact. Ah, just so tense. It is really tense. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, there's a scene, I think, in Scream 2. Yes. That remind. I think Scream 2's was a little more tense. Yeah. Um, but th- this one reminded me of that. It reminded me of that as well. I was like, oh, it's from Scream 2. Like, dead person in the car, so we think. Right. Um... I forget how exactly this happens. It might have been through Ruth's attempt of communication mm-hmm. um, where we are in, like we have a scene in a barn, like, like cutting up a pig. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it appears to be Sally Hardesty. The ranger who has been looking for Leatherface for all this time now suspects that she knows where he is. Yep, because uh, the radio call from the police, the police thingy, I can't, what the fuck? Radio? Yeah. Police radio? Police radio. It it gets to the guy who works at the gas station who initially warned them in the beginning and was like, we know who you are. All those things. And he calls Sally and he's like, there's been a killing. I think it's him. Because he hears Ruth saying, he's wearing her face. He's wearing her face. So that can only mean one thing. Yeah. That it's Leatherface. Now... Back at the town, Melody has received a text from Ruth saying that uh, the the woman, Jenny, had died. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, Melody's like, I just killed her. She's spiraling. And it's like, there is a level of responsibility there that, yes, they are, like, responsible for the death, but they didn't... I think they did kill her. I mean, they... I mean, but I mean, that's also, like, a... I mean, health issue. It's not just, like... But they caused the issue they wrongly entered this woman's house and kicked her out of it had they not done this then yes she would not have died and she would have probably been fine not only had they not done it but they did do it and they were wrong yeah so i think their hubris did kill her if not themselves so their guilty conscience makes them go back to the place because they're like we have to look for the 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 title title. it becomes a problem because richter Mm -hmm. comes finds out about this that you know jenny had died and he takes away their keys for Mm -hmm. the bus and the car and tells them hey like i just heard that lady died like and and it's your guys's fault you just killed that woman um and they're like okay we'll prove that we own the place by getting the title but they can't find the title they can't find the title they don't have it and then this is another little plot hole that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. their plan now is to look for the title at jenny's house because if they're in the right, she won't have it. And it's back at the bank somewhere or something, right? Yeah. But you can't prove a negative. Like, if they go into the house, and if they do find the title, which they do, it proves that they're wrong, and Ginny did have the title after all. But... If you don't find if it. If you don't find it, you still have nothing to bring Richter to prove that you do own it. <laughs> right. So it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, but it doesn't even get that far. Because no. during their search here, Melody's the one that finds the title and realizes oh my god we made a huge mistake they killed this woman uh all while by the way this party's happening down in the community because all their investors are like woo community yeah they're all having a party a barbecue no less yeah uh we get kind of a shot of like the the whatever those things called the barbecue machines (laughs) what are they barbecue machines what do you mean like not a stove like a smoker is that what it is? They were know. cooking some burgers and hot dogs. At, or a grill? Is that what it is? Like when you cook a big burger Burger and hot, hot dogs, yeah. The grill. Okay. Well, when they open the lid, they make that photography bowl. Yeah, they make that noise. Uh, I love, I nice, making that noise. Nice little callback. I really like the noise. I know, it's fun. Yeah. I really want to know what it is, though. I think it is a camera. I'm not convinced that I, that I really know what that is. I really like it, though. Not, I mean, not that I, know, not that I don't know what a camera is. I don't want people to think that I'm not dumb. (laughs) You know what? I don't put it past these people, you know? You know, whatever. Um, But they're looking for the title and somebody else is there, it appears. Uh, They're not alone in the house. Leatherface is there. 
which is ironic because both Dante and Melody or Mel hear this person in the house and they think it's the other person. So they're like, Dante? Yeah. Melody? And but, it's not. But Dante turns around and it appears that it is Leatherface. Man. This scene leading up to him seeing like Melody, interacting with Melody, that whole scene. Dante's death, like this is not his actual death because I, I mean, but still. What ends up killing him? What ends up killing him in the end? Um, this scene, their interaction was really, really well done. This shot, very cool. Yeah, cool cinematography of like a door swinging, swinging open and uh-huh. getting you like glimpses of what's going on as mm-hmm. as Dante's getting got. Creatively, beautifully shot. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. And we do have a few examples of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate the cinematography in this movie. Um, so yeah, Dante's out. Mm-hmm. Melody is upstairs and sees Dante, you know, knocked out and Leatherface over him. So she yep. goes up, she hides in the closet. Oh, so tense. Here we got another one of these scenes where, you know, she's trying to hold her, you know, noise, not make too much noise. And Leatherface. She actually did really well. She was crying silently. I don't, I could never cry silently, I don't think. So you'd be, you'd be making all the noise. I'd be like, <laughs> but, but you criticize these people for but doing that. But if I'm in a life or death situation, I will. I told you I'm gonna freeze. Stone I'm gonna be face. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, she's not discovered. Fortunately for her, uh, Leatherface is kind of looking for what is he looking for? Like a dress. A, a dress. This okay. is his. Jenny said, "Stay out of my room." Yes. First thing he does when he gets home, kills somebody, which is. I'm assuming not what she taught him to do, not the person she taught him to be. And then secondly, goes in her room. <laughs> now, I got to say, Gerilyn, I think another criticism I've heard people say about this film is that typically we there's certain components that we expect from Texas Chainsaw movies, mm-hmm. you know, aside from our dreaded dinner scenes right. that me and you personally don't enjoy. We don't get other family members, really, that interact in like the killing. Like the original was all about, you know, the family doing the killing. Family unit, yeah. This one's just Leatherface. But this one's kind of like a keep it in the community kind of thing. Exactly. I think I think what this movie does do, though. But it's still family because it's his family that has been with him for many, many years. And it's still that important to him that then he goes on a fucking killing spree. So. Yes, I agree. And I think in the original movie, the whole reason he, they end up starting to kill these people is because they like... Um, they, they trespass on, on the property. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens here where they trespass yeah. into the orphanage. So I, I feel mean, like it still keeps like some tradition. It does keep some tradition. It's just a different story, which I like that because I get tired of seeing the same damn story over me and over too, again. Me too. I think the people that have those complaints haven't seen the movies, uh, like all of them. I feel like me and you are like probably one of the most astute, informed uh, people on Texas Chainsaw. Well, hear me out. This is really interesting because I brought this up to my brother. I was like, I was like, oh man, like we're doing Texas Chainsaw this season and you know, you've seen all of them, right? No. Yeah. Even he hasn't seen all of them. I don't know if anybody has in the whole world besides (laughs) you and me. I literally think like the percentage is probably very low. We're in a small crowd, you know? Yeah. So if anybody has any questions, we're the experts on this subject. We're the experts. Oh, <laughs> but um, I like it. Experts. Yeah. Uh, we're not from Texas. Though. We're not from Texas. No, but maybe we'll go one day, and then. I hear that's where all my exes are. No, get it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good job. Sorry. We we just start a counter. You know. Cringy jokes, dad yeah. jokes, all of the things. Jalen's got them all. You name it, she's got them. 
But what we get out of this scene between Lila and Richter is something that I think the movie had an opportunity to expound on, but they never did. They never because did. Lila is kind of questioning like guns in general. Like she explains that she's expected to do something important with her life yeah. since she's one of the only survivors. She she didn't die I mean, that day. Imagine the weight that, that would fucking the pressure. have. Yeah. Now I, I you know, this reminds me in general of you know other kinds of survivors, like even just cancer survivors, um, also feel I think there's a term for it where like you made it through something where other people didn't and you feel some kind of like guilt. I yes. think it's just survivor's, survivor's guilt. guilt. Yeah. They mention that um, a lot with like, or for example, I've, I've heard it in, in stories about like 9-11 where people were meant to go to work that day, but ended up not going. Right. And, but their life is saved. But now it's like you kind of have a pressure on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lila definitely feels it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richter seems to like comfort her a little bit. So you, you kind of yeah. get a sense that like Rick in general, like when you're first introduced to a Richter, you might think he's an a-hole. Yeah. But, I but think he's kind of got this softness to him. He's kind of a good guy. Kind like, of. And he, and he, um, he, like, like when he took away the keys, he was, he did it out of concern for Ginny. Yeah. You know, and the second that he, he saw an opportunity to help Melody, he took it, Yeah. you know? So he, he, I think he definitely has good intentions. I think so and too. And even when he was being criticized, but when Melody was yelling at him, he was pretty, you know, calm about the entire situation. Very explaining. Um, I guess the worst you could take it as is condescending a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, little mansplaining. And definitely when he, you know, uh, got a lot of smoke into their car when he was driving away, speeding away from them in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, that was kind of an a-hole move to do. It was an a-hole move to do, but at least he didn't do something stupid like brake check them. Brake check them. And also he was like, I mean, they were the ones that were coming at him initially, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that could be misunderstood. And then like as soon as he sees, because uh, uh, at, the, at the point that you're talking about, um, it starts pouring rain. Pouring rain and it's you can't see anything. Uh, everyone makes their way into the bus at this point. Dante somehow wakes up and he goes outside. We don't really see the front of him until he interacts with Richter. Uh, Richter. Who is the most like the closest person nearby? And Richter's like, "What the hell happened to you? Oh my god!" And then the lady from the bank—I think her name was like Catherine or something. I think so. Um, she also is like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" And so then, not only were they already on the bus, but she sees that you know Dante's outside, and she's like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And then she sees his face, and it's all like, it's, like it, half of his face is hanging off. God, it was crazy looking. Yeah, it is gnarly. Because my brain was like, when that happened, I was like, he got cut in the neck. No, he got cut in the face. Right in the face. Right in the face. Just slipped through his face. Yeah. Doesn't look like a good time. No. Richter, I don't know why. I think he's just not thinking right, but he's like, 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 how did this happen? As if Dante was in any kind of situation to talk or anything. (laughs) Um, But he helps Dante down to sit down and it's in this time that Dante seems to pass. Yeah, and so then Catherine makes her way back to the bus and she's like, oh my God. But you'd think she'd kind of warn everybody. Here's my idea. I think she didn't. Because it would freak everyone out. It would freak everybody out. And I think it was a financial thing. Oh, I think. Oh, yeah. See, this is what I mean. I feel like this movie deals with self-righteousness and people who are virtue signaling and, you know, trying to be like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm a good person when there's actual like other Mm. financial um, incentives. There's like like 
PR behind it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's I kind of think like a publicity stunt. Exactly. And if she tells these people, that's not going to look good for the investors. So she doesn't. Dang. And I you're think, right. I think, I think it right. is because she's from the bank. Yeah. So she's kind of on the line. Like it, this is important for her too. So I, I wonder if she had any inkling about like her survival at this point, because like my brain would be like, Oh God, I'm going to die. Yeah. You know what? Because like if know. she didn't, and she's like, oh, no, my investors. Like, I don't think quite <laughs> yet it was really like she felt it in her heart or anything because she only saw a victim. Yeah. Uh, she saw somebody else who's, who says they're going to go take care of the problem. And she, she herself is also going to inform the authorities. Yeah. And unfortunately, the authorities never show. You the were in the middle of nowhere here. And so. also the authorities are dead. So, so any, yeah, exactly. So it's like, assumed that there's like two cops. There's only like two cops in the city, and so if kind of like in Scream, where there's no cops to ever, be found ever, yeah, they never show up until three minutes after everything's yeah. happened. Um, but this one it actually makes sense to me because instead mm-hmm. of like a big city like New York, in this one it's like the nearest next town must be hours away. They're right. in the middle of nowhere. Richter goes in being a hero, and Leatherface hears him and then hides. And then Melody does this really cool thing, which I thought was really going to get Melody caught. Me too. I was like, oh, he's going to see her. And then he's going to like be like, like kill her under the right. bed. No. But she kind of tilts a mirror so Richter can see. Here's, and that, my brain was like, she's going to knock the mirror down. Me too. No. I liked what she did though. It was cool. But if it were me in this situation, it would, it would be knocked over. Why do you think that? Because I don't have good luck. Literally, my, my boyfriend has this really big, cool coffin-shaped um, guitar case in my in my living room. Yeah. Over there, I was moving it around, trying to show my sister, oh, hey, have you seen this? It's really cool. Let me open it for you and show you what it looks like inside. Oh, boy. Literally dropped the fuck out of it, and I was like, oh, my God. Was Patrick here? Yes, but he was upstairs asleep. Did he get mad? No, because he was asleep. He didn't know. Did you tell him later? No, his guitar wasn't in it, so it's just a case. Okay, I would have told him. Nah, this is a funny little anecdote, you know? No. It was more of an uh, of a moment with my sister, so. Okay. Sister, and the rest, I, and everybody watching the podcast. Everybody watching the podcast. But you had to be there to understand the, ah. the, the severity and the, yeah. the humor there. I see. Um, my sister and I tend, we laugh at our mistakes a lot. Fair enough. Better so. to laugh than to cry. Every, every day of my life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Richter is able to see, and, and this Melody helps him dodge this initial attack. Yeah. Um, tremendously. I really thought, man, Richter's going to get him. He's going to get that ass. Because I like Richter. And then, you know, Richter's coming. He's coming in loaded. You know, he has yeah. a weapon. But uh, Leatherface doesn't skip leg day. Oh, no, he does not. And then speaking of leg day. Oh! Yeah, he kicks him in the knee. <laughs> and then his knee just like inverts. It was like a nice little curve. Like a little, just a little yeah. curve. And I was like, huh? He, he got horse legs. He got an inverted knee. Uh, looks very painful. Very. Despite this, he doesn't go down. He, you know, you it still ends up on top of Leatherface trying to push him against the wall. Yeah. Uh, they break a mirror, and Leatherface does this very simple trick, where he just shoves Richter towards like, I don't know, like the broken glass. Conveniently placed shard of glass. Yes. And he's like, bah. bangs his head against it, and then he's gone for. When he falls to the ground, Richter oh. sees Melody. Yes. And in his last act of being alive, he pulls his keys off of his pants 
and kind of lays them right in front of her. I thought for sure Leatherface would have taken the keys. I don't think he was. He probably, why would he? He doesn't know how to drive. We've learned. Because like in several movies, there's cars and he never drives them. That's true. I guess that never really dawned on me. Yeah, he doesn't drive. Maybe he's just never had to. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he seems to get along just fine, just walking yeah. everywhere. There's so many shots of Leatherface just walking just slowly, walking or running, like down the street, things, yeah, spinning around. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really, I, this next scene, I was like, oh my god, like Leatherface has a sledgehammer, sledgehammers the f out of his head. Yeah, makes them into mashed potatoes. Uh, really visceral scene. Yeah, like he just smashes this guy's head into ground beef. To me. I just don't know that, like, I mean, there's sometimes that, like, I feel like original characters may or may not, may, may or like, would or would not have done it this way. Mm-hmm. There are some things that Leatherface does in this movie that I'm like, I don't think the original character would have done it that way. Okay. So here's, but that's fine. Here's it's, just my, a small, it's a small gripe. Here's my attempt at, 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 like, expressing that in words, I suppose, is that I think in the original film... Leatherface was more of a reactor. Mm-hmm. He wasn't very um, proactive. I feel like most of the things he did was because people were on his property. And then when he saw his relationship with the rest of the family, he was kind of, you know, attacked, mocked, made fun of. Right. Um, and so in this movie, Leatherface af- appears to be uh, the violence he ensues is a lot more forward, I feel like, than the original. Okay. Um, and has a lot more thought into it place, I think, than the original Leatherface did. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of agree with you there. I think the characterization is different. Definitely I different. Yeah. I mean, because later we get this scene where Sally Hardesty has this big standoff with him and she's in his face and she's like, you don't even know who I am, do you? Kind of thing. And he just walks away. Yeah. And she's like pissed off. because She's like, oh my God, he doesn't know who I am. I think that I scene is the crux I, of the movie where people just like, do not like... Yeah, to me, to me, Leatherface would not have just let this person stand there. He would have just killed her immediately, right then and there. Well, it's. I think it goes both ways. I agree with you. Like, mm-hmm. like Sally Hardesty eventually comes into the town, you know, yeah. to, to to kill Leatherface, and she finds Leatherface, points a gun right at him, and doesn't do anything about it. She doesn't shoot him. She she wants him to say her name. She wants him to remember who she is and everything he did to her friends. But, girl, it's Leatherface. I mean, he hardly talks. Hardly talks. He's not going to say your name. Like, like the, you obviously don't understand him. Yeah. Like, Sally. Yeah. And, and and then, you so, Sally doesn't kill him. I don't know why she doesn't. And then... Because she's dumb. And then Leatherface also doesn't kill her. He just walks away. Which is all whatever until two seconds later... She decides, you know what? I am going to shoot him. And she shoots at him. Mm-hmm. And and he runs away from it. And I'm just like, this could have been avoided either way a scene <laughs> ago. I don't know why you're shooting each other now, but not a second ago. Yeah, it, it's just, that's like the only big, big gripe that I have. Where I was like, what? Like, he wouldn't have just let her stand there. He would have been like, she would have been like, say my name. And he probably would have been like, and like cut Done her head something. off. something, yeah. Anything. Yeah. Choked her out and threw her. But I mean, we get some of that later. But Yeah, yeah we're getting a little ahead, ahead of ourselves. We are, we are. But before we get there, we have Melody making her escape. Yeah. You know, she Leatherface is in the other room working on his chainsaw, trying to fix it up, I suppose. 
And she's kind of sneaking around. She doesn't take the stairs. She does this neat trick where she like kind of hops over the stairs to get further down. Um, but when she lands, she sees Leatherface on the top of the stairs staring right at her. And then Leatherface has moves in this movie, like I said before. And he, yeah. he tosses something at her. I forget what it is. I think it was the sledgehammer. He tosses the sledgehammer at her. So then she goes flying with the sledgehammer and then falls straight it's through. It's so sick. Because yeah. he just tosses it like it's nothing. And um, imagine being like, he's like, this is nothing. Yeah. Like, imagine him at the, at the gym. <laughs> and she goes down. Yeah. Um, and now she, you know, has this chase with Leatherface. Um, she gets underneath the floorboards. I forget how she ends up there. Do you remember? Because she falls with the sledgehammer and oh, then that's, she, she lands in the floor. Yeah, she lands underneath the floor. And then it's this fun little trick that Leatherface does where he just sticks it in there mm-hmm. and starts just riding it up across the floor. And she's just like crawling away from the chainsaw. Yeah. And then luckily she runs into her sister Lila. Lila, I guess, is like suspecting something i don't know i think it's just odd she's very at odds everything's going awry Mm -hmm. you know everybody's con like none of the four are with her at all right so she goes out and she says screw this i'm gonna go and investigate you know earlier she saw Catherine come into the car being all like whoa like hey everybody stay here lock the door nobody do anything Mm -hmm. lila's trying to be like getting information and be like hey what's going on and they just won't tell her Mm -hmm. so she ends up leaving walking on the rain and she hears melody's cries screams for help and they have like a little vent at the end of the a little crawl space underneath the orphanage um and lila helps melody out but before that uh leatherface cuts up one of the pipes and a lot of poopy poopy sewage sewage poopy sewage uh falls upon her yeah uh very gross very nasty uh, but now they are Very both outside. Very stink nasty too. I'm sure, and it's raining. Yeah. Uh, and she gets it like all over her head too, so it's very gross. Literally a poopy head. Literally. Uh, so now Lila and Melody are running away. Yeah. They're running away, and I don't remember where they end up per se. They go. They go to the bus. They run to the bus. Lila has the keys, hands it over. But while they're in the bus, yes. Uh, Leatherface uh, c- comes up because they try to drive away. Oh, yeah, they do try to drive away. I forget. Yes, they try to escape, but Leatherface does this cool party trick where he like hits the tires. Yeah, he likes to do that. And so the driver, like, is like, oh, something's wrong, walks out, tries to find out what's wrong. We never, he never finds out, I presume, because the next shot we he get. He really got ahead of himself. He really did because he ends up beheaded, <laughs> his head thrown back into the front of the tour bus. Yeah. And now it's a problem because Leatherface yeah. gets on the bus and this is the scene where you, as you mentioned earlier where there's a bunch of people in this bus and they're just looking at Leatherface standing inside the bus with a chainsaw and all of them pull their phones out and start going live, right? Yes, because apparently this was like a dark humor thing because he it was like a thing about cell phone culture and how instead of people actually like like doing something they just pull out their fucking phones to document it but so i I understand the commentary there and i do i do think that there's some truth to that and that it is humorous but it's also like it's got this level of sadness that it is of that because of that truth where it's like instead of just fucking recording everything i don't know do something because Leatherface, because they threaten him. They They're say, like, one move and you're canceled. 
Leatherface doesn't care about being canceled. He doesn't probably doesn't doesn't know what cancel is. Like I'm like, okay. You and? idiots. Yes, they're dumb. <laughs> and and uh, and you know what's even funnier? I don't know if you noticed any of the comments on the live stream. No. Because Leatherface, you know, obviously doesn't care about this, slaughters the bus. Like just like limbs flying everywhere. Like like legs. People, yeah, chainsaws people together. Yeah, he pushes a chainsaw to somebody and then pushes that somebody into somebody else. It was fucking legendary. It was, it was a slaughter. Yeah, it was a bloodbath. Yeah, and in the live stream, you could see like, oh my gosh, this is so fake. Like, where is this? I want to go there. You know, every people. Oh, because people think it's a haunted house. Something like that. Yeah, because everyone's perception of reality is skewed because of social media yes people like i don't know like i know that there have been several things that have been trending that were real and people didn't know it was real at first and then people would be like oh my god if you run across this video here's the beginning of, here's the what the beginning frame looks yeah. like don't watch it because people have like um recorded like unaliving themselves before yeah. and posted it online and it's very very triggering and sad yes. and stuff so then at first people probably think it's fake and all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, it's like that uh, YouTube thing with Logan Paul or one of the Paul brothers. Yeah. I don't know. When they recorded a dead body in yeah. the woods or something. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. And it, it happens a lot. There's people out there who are like doing this intentionally. Yeah. They like to troll people to get them to see these imagery that they probably wouldn't have liked to see otherwise. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's awful. And so, you know, we saw the movie The Menu recently, and they, they have an, a similar experience to that where things start going awry in that movie as well, mm. and some of the people think it's part of the show. They're like, oh, he's so dramatic, so theatrical. Yeah, so I believe that. I feel like we are kind of like that. I feel like we try not to believe uh, it's this awful thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there is that <laughs> there is some truth to that, which is really, yeah. it makes it even more sad. And But also... To like to even tie it back to the school shooting like story attached to Lila's character, we're so numb to things. Yeah, desensitized. We're so desensitized to things that we're not like it's like oh, okay like that's yeah. that's if our reality. If we hear about another school shooting, something that's like the response it should garner is like this very like deep sadness and just like 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 a loss. Mm-hmm. You know that you feel that this, this this grievance, this grief, but, this fear, but this uh, anger amongst us when we hear that in the news, it's just the next month, and it's like, oh, that's sad. Um, but we just don't have the emotional capacity to be sad about every kid when it happens so often. It's just it's just part of the norm, like yeah, because it's like, oh my gosh, if you go online on this mass shooting like website thing, it tells you how many shootings there are per day, and it's like. They literally are happening every day. And yeah. a lot of them do go like unreported as far as like on the like on media the coverage. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Exactly. But it's just like. Because like Columbine they, was huge. Yeah. Stonewall was huge. But then you like when it happens so often, it's like they, they don't put it every one of them on the news. And it's probably because it happens so often that they probably just can't cover it all. Yeah, exactly. Which makes it really sad that that is our fucking reality. That's our reality. But. I mean, yeah, that's 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 the take that I get from it, though, is that like that's our desensitization, like desensitization as a culture is that, you know, even when we're faced with death and these horrible things, our brain goes into this record mode. Like, 
And even like in like in other situations when people go to concerts, they'll spend a lot of their time recording the concert. Recording the concert. Or uh, something that I think is funnier is like people that go to the Louvre in uh, France and like they take a picture of the Mona Lisa, and I'm like, what is the picture for? You're taking the worst photo that has ever been taken of the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And like to for what? To prove that you were there? We believe that you were there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, why do you need this photograph? Right. Um, just enjoy it. But, you know, that's neither here or there. You know, people, I went to a museum in Chicago, took a picture of some mango paintings. I mean, my brain, whenever any, like, things happen, especially, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fur mama. I'm a cat mom. So, my brain, when something adorable is happening, I'm like, take a photo. Oh, that's fine. That's different, I feel but, like. Because I have, like, a million yeah, of them. Yeah, I love so taking like, photos, especially of, like, personal moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've recorded a video on... Um, at a concert, taking pictures at a concert. I'm mostly talking about people who will pull up Snapchat and Snapchat the entire concert. Yes. And I'm just like, one, you're blocking the view of people. Yes. Two, you're posting it on Snapchat. Like, when I come across those videos on Snapchat, skip, 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 skip. Immediately. I, I go as fast as possible. For, why do I want to watch 30 minutes of your freaking concert? I don't want to watch that. It's your yeah. crappy phone. And like, I don't know, miles <laughs> away from the freaking stage. I don't care. Right. You're just trying to show off what you're doing. And I mean, I understand like posting photos, maybe small snippets, stuff like that. I think that makes sense. But like, there is also like... There are also some things that should just be for you. But yeah, Melody and Lila, uh, they kind of escape to the bathroom part of the RV, these uh, giant tour bus. And yeah. luckily for them, there's a vent above them. Uh, so Lila gets out from the top of the vent. Melody uh, gets kind of stuck because Leatherface uh, makes a hole in the door with his chainsaw and is you know threatening Melody. But she you know pulls out this little pin that she got back at the... Uh, gas station at the beginning of the movie and stabs his arm with it it's this cute little chainsaw it's a little baby chainsaw yeah great piece of merch they should have sold that yeah Uh, they should have Uh, which is really funny though because my brother dressed up as leatherface for halloween last year oh cool at my mom's like halloween party and he didn't have like a prop like chainsaw with him but he did have a teeny tiny one that's cute (laughs) you'll have to so he he would be like and it was just like a, a like a private funny little moment and i was like it's funny I and like it, it. it made me think of that so maybe giggle uh this gave her the chance to escape yeah so they got out and they're running he down was, the street it makes me laugh though because like he probably was like the fuck is this yeah i pulled it out yeah <laughs> like a little little needle like what is what is this shit yeah uh he yeah because he probably doesn't know the publicity that he has or maybe yeah. he does i don't know he's probably been in the paper maybe he knows about it i don't know we maybe. don't know but uh lila and melody end up running into the street read? i don't think so my guess would be there's no evidence to show me that he can or can't so i don't really know but he also doesn't really i mean well you can read and not speak you can be nonverbal. i don't know yeah so i'm Words. not quite sure but my guess i is just no. have lots of questions about this character especially this characterization in general i i guess because like he's at an orphanage mm-hmm. so my brain's like maybe there's school there i don't know yeah i don't know either but melody and lila run into a car yeah it ends up being none other than sally hardesty and she's all cowgirl mode that ranger mode she's, yeah she's a ranger she's got her hat on mm-hmm. and uh, they go into they get she tells them to get into the back seat they do and then she's like, all right, I'm leaving y'all. <laughs> Yeet, YOLO, baby. And they're this, like, they're screaming their head off. You can't leave us here. They're locked in. They me up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, what the hell? 
what the hell is happening right now? Yeah. Uh, Melody's been through hell. I mean, she's the one that's kind of been suffering like the entire movie, basically. Yeah. Like even before Leatherface was a factor, she was the one that was stressed out about what happened to Ginny. I mean, rightfully so. It's guilty conscience because yes. they, they were wrong. Yeah. Um, Melody tells Lila that she's going to she's not going to let anything happen to her. Which Me, is really funny. Which is really yeah. funny because while this while they're stuck in the backseat of this car, Sally goes into the orphanage to mm. confront Leatherface. And this is where we get that scene where we talked about where they stare each other down and nobody does anything. Well, it just doesn't make any sense to me. She uses this moment to like try to get revenge for Pamela and Kirk and Franklin and Jerry. You know me. But he doesn't is he, the thing. He's like, he's like, and I've killed millions of people. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I doubt he remembers. He's like, bitch, you ain't special. <laughs> but apparently she is because he doesn't kill her then. He doesn't. I feel like he should, which like I said, doesn't make any sense because two seconds later, she's shooting at him. I seems that that's my brain not understanding. I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't understand what, what happened in that scene. It just, I feel like they probably just wrote themselves into a corner. And like they are, they had like the next plot point planned out, but they didn't know how to get there. Yeah, maybe. And this is just this is how they wrote themselves out of that situation, I guess. Which I think it's kind of silly. Um, but on the way there, he, uh, he he gets shot by Sally, and this is this is why it's funny because he's you know trying to kill Melody right after she says. I'm not going to let anything happen to I'm you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Right. Which He also chainsaws the hell out of Sally and then like picks her up and like fucking yeets her. That's right. That be was hilarious. Be because, because what happens is that after Sally shoots Leatherface, mm -hmm. he goes around a corner and then <laughs> Sally gives the keys to Melody. Yeah. And she's like, get the fuck out of here or something like that. But yeah, you're right. This is the moment where we get a confrontation between Sally and Leatherface. And yeah. this moment, again, it happens where like they're facing each other head to head. Mm -hmm. She puts her gun up to his face again and then decides to stab him in the side instead. Like, I feel like he's trying. She's trying to make him suffer or something. But I'm like, just kill the man. And because she doesn't, he does take his chainsaw, puts it right through her. And then picks his chainsaw up into the air and then tosses her like 10 feet into the trash. <laughs> that was hilarious. And I just didn't understand. Like, I feel like Sally's inclusion in the movie was like the weakest point for me. It was for me, too, because I was like, I mean, you mean to tell me? Like, and I, I promise you when we get to the other franchise that they do this more successfully you will understand exactly what I'm talking about because there's a difference between because it was more fleshed out in the other franchise. Right. This one, it was like a last minute, like oh, Tacked we on. need we need like a something else to call back to the other movies to make it all like co like make, in the same universe kind of thing. And I'm like, it wasn't well done, and there wasn't a lot that happened. And then you mean to tell me she waited all that time to not fucking kill this exactly. man? No. Yeah. Well, this is what I've heard. I've heard that this that this movie is self-aware of the film that you're talking about and that it's like a parody of it and like this part of it. It's like oh, this so is a more kind of know the franchise that I'm I, I, just because I heard somebody okay. say it. And, and, Interesting. and so I heard somebody say, like, this is a more realistic approach to that. Like, this is what like like if it went another way, it could have just been like this. 
I understand that parody of it. I do. But I think that there's like these are different like f- like fright well not fright fight or flight responses. Mm-hmm. This being like a try to fight kind of thing, but you freeze in the moment, yeah. and then the other one being actually fighting. Yeah, I think. Um, I just think if, if even if it is satirization, I don't think it really uh, comes off. It does as, as like entertaining. Like if you are gonna do anything like a parody or make fun of poke poke fun at something. It has to be funny. Like, it has to work. Like, evoke, uh, like, some kind of emotion out of you. And this one I doesn't. the only emotion that comes out of me is when he, like, yeets the body. And then I'm like. <laughs> uh, and that, but, that, to me, isn't worth it enough to have this whole interaction with Sally. It's not. It's not worth it for that. Because, to me, it wasn't executed well. And then I'm like, you know, if you were, like, that movie executed the storyline well. This just did not. And then to find out like that's just a satirization of it makes it worse for me because mm. then it's like, so not only did you like make fun of it, but then you also didn't succeed either with it either. Yeah. So, I mean. Like for nothing, basically. For nothing. It was just thrown in. Yeah. So, well, I mean. Yeah. You know, take, I, take I, what you want. After Sally meets her demise, supposedly. Uh, Melody and Lila take the car, start driving it. And Melody decides she wants to crash into Leatherface. Uh, why she would, I'm not sure. I would have left. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have just, you know, let Leatherface do what he's going to do and just get the heck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. But she decides to try to drive into him. Doesn't quite work. I think he throws his chainsaw and then elbows the car and causes them to crash mm-hmm. into Richter's like mechanic shop. Yeah. And doing so, Melody is left impaled. I'm not sure what she's impaled by, but it's like a metal rod. It almost looks like it could be like the the gear shift thing, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's from the inside of the car or from like where they crash. Um, I don't know. I don't know nothing about cars. But I do like this little interaction here because she kind of admits like, hey, Lila, get out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm stuck. There's no hope. I'm going to die. That's just a situation. But you, you have to get out of here. And this is kind of the point of the movie where I was waiting for the whole film because I, I recognized that Melody was wrong, yeah. you know, from the beginning of the movie. And she needed to confront that, that she, you know, set this, all these actions into motion to begin with by intruding in the house. And yeah. she is confronted by Leatherface and he apologizes or she apologizes to him. I'm sorry for killing your mama. Yeah. And then so we think that she's about to get it. And then fucking <laughs> fucking Lila gets all cocky. Hey, leather fuck. I love that. And then awkward. Nothing happened. Yeah, the, the, the gun ain't got nothing. That is so like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the um, like I said, I, I really like uh, Lila's character in this movie. So I, I was really I thought I thought when she said that, hey, leather fuck. And I'm like. First of all, I like that line just alone of itself. Um, I'm like, oh, crap, you know, like she's going to do something, you know, but she inevitably doesn't do anything. Um, But as far as like Melody set up, like I feel like that would have been a cool uh, death scene there Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, it's it's her. She's facing like her own uh, manifestation. Yeah. Uh, But she doesn't die here. She lives. And I think she just gets saved for an even better. Uh, situation later on down the movie um but 
while Leatherface is now approaching Lila, it turns out Sally, not done yet. Nope. Uh, she has a weapon of her own and she starts shooting Leatherface, uh, getting her off of Lila. And then Lila and Sally have a short little conversation about like how she shouldn't run because it's going to haunt her the rest of her life if she does. Again, another satirization of the franchise that I'm talking about that we will later get to, which is a great franchise that I love a lot. Um, because that's something that, well, that's actually become a meme is that Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis about Laurie Strode is that she's like, this movie's about trauma, but she says trauma really funny. Oh, really? She says trauma, like trauma. Trauma. That's kind of how it's spelled. I mean, it is how it's spelled, but like, it's just the, the repetition of it. So people like, I mean, she's, she's really like receptive to her presence online and she's like, oh, shut up. I know. <laughs> and so like, I think it's really funny, but to me, I'm just like, okay. And like, what's your point in trying to make fun of it? I don't understand. They do it well. You don't. It just, it doesn't land. Like you said, it's like a really bad joke. It bombed like that because of it. Well, she takes the gun and loads it for Lila, mm -hmm. and then Lila chases Leatherface into the theater that he ran into. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get Leatherface setting up a couple of traps. Like, uh, he, he makes a lot of noise with his chainsaw and then puts it down, so Lila thinks that's where he is. Mm -hmm. But really, he's right next to her. So he tackles her, and then they fall into, like, this little pond. Just a little pool of water. Uh, Casually. Yes, and they kind of have their tussle in below the water. We don't really Which, know what goes on down there. Me, this made me like think of it was like a callback to part three. Oh yeah, like yeah. because that happened in like that nasty like pond or whatever. It was. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that has happened before. And I was like, oh god, what's gonna happen? And then somehow Lila gets out, and then my brain's like, how? How? <laughs> because we don't see any of it. We don't see any of it. I would have loved to have seen some struggle. Maybe yeah. some hands, like, just coming out of the water situation. We don't get any of that. So I'm like, you mean to tell me this young, potentially teenage girl overtook this grown tower of a man under underwater, the water? Yeah. There's no way. I'm way weaker underwater. I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue what it's must like, have been sued. It's like punching someone in your dreams. You're like, uh, Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> What? I just don't understand unless you kick the crap out of him. Or he hit his head on something or something. Um, but yeah, she comes out first and she, you know, starts crawling to the, to, towards the gun a little too slow um, mm. because Leatherface jumps out like a salmon going upstream a hill. <laughs> he does. It's so bad. He, I liked it. I, I it guess. was funny because I was he like, goes, like, he really comes he's out of there. Literally almost just straight up. Just like, yeah. I was like, how did this happen? I have no clue, but I did enjoy it. Um, and then he's he's in an altercation for a brief second. You, you know what this reminds me of? What's up? The memes of people like getting out of swimming pools. So I'm like Lila getting out of a swimming pool where I have to like army crawl and then like roll out of the like swimming yeah. pool and then the other person like looks like a fish like or a mermaid just perfectly jumping out of the I water. I haven't seen this. You You'll have to show me. Oh my god, it's literally like I'm pretty sure it's like a girl like trying to look sexy getting out of the pool where she's like just pushing herself up okay. and she's able to get out. Yeah. And the other person literally has both of their hands like this yeah, and her leg is struggling. Up. It's me. And it's like me and other girls. It's just you're so heavy when you leave the water. Like I'm like, how do you make it look so effortless? You look like a fucking mermaid yeah. and I look like 
Humpty Dumpty rolling out of the water. I just feel like I, it's like it happens slowly. It's a weird sensation, is it not? It is because you because in the water you feel like light as a feather. But then when you're getting out of it, it's like you're wearing like steel boots. Or you're something. like fuck, I'm so dense. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like like all of the water is like in your bathing suit, and then you're like leaking everywhere. Your hair's wet. This whole situation. Oh my! It's like you're so hyper aware of like how much you weigh, and you're like I. Can't move. But I guess the people who are doing it in a sexy way must just be strong, right? They're just like pushing through that. They gotta be. Yeah. Because I don't know how to do that. Because they have the same gravity working against them. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're just not all like. We're not like Leatherface. We're not like Leatherface. Just I want to be able to pop out like that. Like like a smooth baby salmon. (laughs) I mean with force like a dolphin like effortlessly. Yes. The man, like, knew what he was doing. Yeah. Well, he gets into a brief altercation with Elsie Fisher's character, Lila, uh, to be saved by Melody, who was able to get that rod out of her thigh. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is like a spider monkey. Even though my brain is still like, how? Yeah, we don't get to see it really because we see it through Lila's eyes and she's like going in and out of it. She's disoriented. It's making her think about all of the things that she's gone through. She's about to accept her fate. Kind of like, I guess she almost maybe accepted her fate back at the school shooting where she, where she thought she was dead, but then wasn't. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Like, that's just, that's, so I imagine I would probably be very, like, dissociative at that point. Yeah. And that's what she was. And so she, I think, doesn't she grab the shotgun here? Yeah. She grabs the shotgun, you know, get, gets back into it. Uh, shoots Leatherface, I think a couple of times. He somehow gets her, I think he gets her Achilles heel or her, something by her foot. Because he like slides. I don't know. I love, like that's one of my, like I said, Leatherface has moves in this movie. And he does this wicked move that we've never seen before of him like taking the chainsaw and like rolling it across the ground, mm-hmm. spinning. Awesome, awesome shot. Ouchie. Um, but Leatherface uh, is apparently dismayed. By, by the two sisters when when they shoot him mm-hmm. and when melody takes the chainsaw slow mm-hmm. motion kind of walks up to him yeah and then gives him a little graze on his chin just a little uh and then he falls backwards into the like, water you mean to tell me you think that's gonna kill that man we obviously they haven't seen the scream movies where we know you always got to shoot him in the head Double tap. Yeah, Nev Campbell, you know, but... Zombieland taught me that. You always double tap. Well, they never watched Zombieland. They're not fans of uh, Mark Zuckerberg. What's his name? Mark Zuckerberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, yeah, he did play Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network. I forget. Yeah. Um, And the day is saved. Many, many people have died along the way, but Melody and Lila, the two sisters, the heart of the movie, it's a brand new day. And we're in the Tesla. We're setting the autopilot. Let's go back home. And then Lila cracks this joke about like, you know what? I'm going to move down here with you, you know? Yeah, I'm going to move down here with you. You know? Fuck it. It's fine. Yeah. And then, turns out Leatherface isn't dead yet. Cracks the window. Pulls Melody straight out. The Tesla's already set on autopilot, so it's already moving away. Yeah. And then as she's moving away, Leatherface takes the chainsaw cleanly just slices off Melody's head with the and chainsaw. And then he's like, hey, yo, I got your sister, bruh. Yeah, hold and your head up. I hold her head. 
She's just been executed. And then he does his little dance. I mean, I like those tidbits of like kind of like the humor where you're like, oh, you think you're safe. Wrong sight. I loved it because it took me out. I was not expecting I that. I wasn't expecting that either. He just pulled her out. I mean, she's a small girl. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. And then he just slices her head off because I really felt like everything was safe. Yeah, I did too. I was under the notion, we're done. It's the next the next day. Yeah. But I was like, there's no way that he would have like not survived that. Yeah, that graze. just craze of the chin. I don't understand. Um, like maybe if you would have been like all the way through his head, yeah, I'd been like, ah, uh, he's dead. Also, why would you use a chainsaw like that, like a sword, swinging it instead of like stabbing it? Do the stab. Right. What They're not Leatherface. They don't know. You know what I mean? But also like. I guess they don't also have his stature. He, you know, he's a big and he's 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 big in stature. Strong. strong. Sledgehammer, he can throw it like it's nothing. Yeah. He's like, this is a frisbee to me, bitch. <laughs> and like, so I mean, chainsaws, probably like, I don't know, like holding like a, an electric toothbrush to him. Yeah. He's probably like, I can do this all day. Nothing. And she's probably like, this is heavy. Yeah, it's probably really heavy. I mean, heavy. I would be the same way. I yeah. have no upper body strength. It's I'd difficult, and she's a small, small girl, so I yeah. can see that. Um, and also, I feel I, I enjoy this kind of like a, I think it's like an homage to the original, where Sally's you know getting away mm-hmm. and looking back at what's happening. You know, Elsie Fisher's Lila's doing the same thing while the car's she's on autopilot out. as Sorry the car the drives away. Yeah, this this ending, I guess, kind of bored me. You know, <laughs> I like this this ending here. I, I really like this last kill. I, it was it was unexpected and nice, but at the same time, like. We're led. I guess they leave it off. Like we're led to believe that Elsie Fisher is gonna be the final girl for like the next one. I don't know. Maybe. Did you see the after credit scene? I did see the after credit scene. This is the first Leatherface film that we have an after credit yeah, scene. Yeah, because you have to have one of those nowadays. We have to. And I. I we're, we're expecting them now. Yeah, and it looks like he's going back to the house from the original movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his other family members are in there. Um. There. There is no way in hell. None. Well, you, I mean, apparently Leatherface is still out here, you know? If you come out with a new movie and I see the family, we're going to have a talk. And we're, if we get a dinner scene, we're going to have a I'm talk. I'm done with the dinner scene. Please, done no with more the dinner, dinner scene. scene. Stop it. I don't want him. I don't want him either. I want more of an original story. This was an original story. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I was like, what about was the fucking orphanage and the tie-in with that. Because yeah. I was like, the timelines just don't add up, babe. That's they it. Don't. Just reboot it. This was like a requel, kind of like Scream, you know, yeah. talks. This is kind of, we, we we do kind of a sequel, but it also has like tie-ins to like old characters and in, in the Sally in this movie. Um, but yeah, that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Uh, it's been brought to my attention that none of these movies have the same name. Um, yeah. Because the original is called The Texas Chain Space Saw Massacre. Yeah. Um, and then... There's no space in Chainsaw for the 2003 film, and this one drops the, and so it's, it's just, just Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Exactly, um, but yeah, I am kind of like you. I kind of enjoyed this movie. I think it had a lot to give. Uh, as I said, as I said previously, it's very evocative, mm-hmm. um, and I don't, I can't decide if it's positive or negative because at times I was very annoyed. Yeah, um, like I said, because you know this, these characters and their gentrification of this town. And at other times, I was just enamored by the cinematography, 
the ingenuity of like the killings and like how gruesome they appear to be. Yeah. Um, we completely left it out, but one of the most gruesome killings, in my opinion, was back at the bus when Catherine was trying to get out through a window. Mm-hmm. And he takes a chainsaw and slices her in half while she's trying to get out the window. Oh, yes. And then we just see her, the upper half of her body just fall off. Fall off and we see some leftover intestines and just they're hanging. Just, they're hanging and then they, it takes time for them to catch up. And that's just like a neat little like, yeah, like it's like rope or whatever. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It's gross. It's it's gutty. It's just fun. So ultimately, my feelings about the movie are a bit mixed. Um, yeah, truly. But to get into our rankings, I'll, I'll, I'll go first for this one, Jerry. Yeah, go for it. Um, the, my current rankings stand at 2017's Leatherface at number one, number two, The Beginning, number three, the original 1974 film, number four, Texas Chainsaw 3D, number five, the 2003 remake, number six, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, number seven, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, and at last place, Texas Chainsaw, no, sorry, Leatherface. No, 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 it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, colon, The Next Generation. Yeah, sorry. At last place, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. This movie, like I said, is a mixed bag for me. Um, I I want to like it more than I do, I mm-hmm. think. I think the cinematography does a lot for me. Apparently, this movie did have some trouble uh, in the production of it because oh, yeah. they had a director and they started filming um, and then when they got the first like scenes back, the studio didn't like them and so they fired the director. And, they had uh, to reshoot everything. They had to then. reshoot it with this new director, same script, same actors. Um, so it, it makes whenever stuff like that happens, I wish I could see the other footage just to see how bad what they didn't yeah. like about it. That's always um, interesting. So it did have some trouble, and it is on Netflix. It didn't have a theatrical th- release. Apparently, some people think that it's because uh, they didn't think it was good enough to put in the theater, so they sold it to Netflix. I don't know how true that is. I think that's all speculation. But that's also like interesting because of all of this like this big um, strike that we have with both writers and actors with residuals. Now it makes me wonder, like, are they even making anything off of this? Probably not. Probably not. Which because, is insane, you know, the right? fucking billionaires want to keep everything for themselves yeah. and not pay people what they're fucking worth. Which Without is, those writers and actors, mm-hmm. you would have nothing, pieces of shit. That's why you have no talent. And it sucks because, like, these actors, none of them are huge actors. Yeah. You know, and they still have rent to pay. They still got to exactly. make their money. Like, that's sad to me because Elsie Fisher is fantastic, right? Yeah. You know, they had a theatrical release of her movie Eighth Grade with Bo Burnham, like, done by Bo Burnham. Great film. Great, great Loved film. Loved it, yeah. They, they think that they did a disservice to this one by not releasing it in theaters. I mean, I would have gone to see it. I would have gone to see yeah. it on the big screen. Um, so, yeah, all that being said, this movie is mixed for me. Um, and looking at my list, Gerilyn, mm-hmm. I decided where I'm going to put it. I'm nervous. And I'm going to put it somewhere a, 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 that, that is a, a kind of a hard decision for me to make in some ways and kind of an, an, an easy decision for me to make in other ways. Okay. I'm going to set this movie to my new number five. So I think this movie, I put it better than the 2003 remake. I just don't like Kemper. And I just, I just, the beginning, I think about the beginning and it just always reminds me that it's a much better version of, uh, of, of the remake, the 2003 remake. I like the prequel better. Um, And I put it below Texas Chainsaw 3D because I just think that one's stupid fun. Like, I feel like. 
It's stupid. Some of my favorite movies in the whole franchise. Like, do your thing, cuz. Oh, my God. I want to punch you. I love that. <laughs> or like, um, well, I'm a Sawyer. I no. love those moments. So you're a Hartman? Well, I'm a Sawyer. Bitch, shut up. You I, knew that you were a Sawyer for two seconds. I love it. I love it. And that's why it's my number four. So it's not quite as fun as that movie. But the cinematography is still good. So I put it right below uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D at number five. Interesting. Okay. Mm. I am going to struggle with this one, but okay, here we go. So my current ranking stands at, in first place, the original 1974 film. In second place, The Beginning. In third place, uh, Leatherface 2017. In fourth place, the 2003 remake. In fifth place, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Um, in sixth place, Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. In seventh place, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. And in eighth place, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. I think where I'm going to struggle is because of... I think I know where I'm going to put it as well. Okay. Exciting. So, the cinematography is well done. The story is interesting enough but there are definitely gripes for me where I'm like, this was not needed. Um, especially Sally Hardesty's involvement in it. It felt like it wanted to be satire, but it ultimately didn't land that way. But it did achieve some of the dark humor far better than, than Texas Chainsaw 3D. No. Um, but the kills were brutal. Not as brutal as some of the uh, other ones that we've watched, but they were really brutal, which was enjoyable for me. The mask was not as cool as some of the other ones. Um, And there were not many other things going on. I mean, this movie was simply all about him as well, which was cool for me, but I I don't know. This is really tough. I think I'm going to put it in my fifth place. So in between, wow. to the 2003 remake is still better for better than it for me as far as the story. I think that it was a really good, solid remake of the original film. And I think, but I think it's ultimately not as bad as Texas Chainsaw 3D. Well, that's fair enough. So that means it's both our fifth places. It's both our fifth places. So both it's right in the fifth, middle for us. Yeah, right in the middle. So not... Kind of splitting the good movies from the bad movies for each of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I know we're, we have different opinions on 3D. I personally think it's really fun. Um, and you, I think, find it grating, yeah? What do you mean? Like a little hard to watch. Uh, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, obviously. It just, it's just the story, it felt kind of rushed there were definitely a lot of inconsistencies the timeline didn't add up at all i mean there were just things that i was like what fair enough i just like hanging out with heather and you know her attitude i hated it but but also none of the characters had chemistry none of them but in 2022s they did have chemistry that's fair yeah there's more depth to them like you said more depth and you know you could kind of I don't know, like the motivations there, like you get it. Yeah, but you don't get a do your thing cuz moment. You I know? don't need to do your thing cuz. We get a hey leather fuck. I don't know. You, okay, you know what? You're right. Yeah. That was better to yeah. me, even though it was okay. cringe as hell. 
So yeah, everybody, that does it for season three. We have our lists. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I'm just gonna go over. Let's go over our final list since this is the last episode of the season. Okay. Real quick. Nine movies. There's a lot of movies in this. There's franchise. A lot of movies. You haven't seen. If you're listening to this one, I know that you haven't seen all of them. <laughs> I know you haven't, and I know I have. So I'm the authority here. Um, my list goes. My final list. Okay. Number one, Leatherface. Number two, The Beginning. Number three, the original 1974. Number four, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Number five, the 2022 remake or requel. Number six, the 2003 remake. Number seven, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Number eight, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And at last place, The Next Generation. All right. My ending of the season ranking is number in first place, the original 1974 film. In second place, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. Um, in third place, Leatherface, 2017. Fourth place, the 2003 remake. Fifth place, the 2022 requel. Um, in sixth place, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Uh, in seventh place, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. Um, in eighth place, Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. And my final and last place film for the entire franchise is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Fuck chalk, top top. <laughs> fuck lefty. Fuck stretch. That are stupid. Wow. Okay. Well, we don't disagree that much in our list. I feel like I think our top three uh, are the same movies. Mm-hmm. We both like uh, the original, the beginning, and Leatherface. Yeah. Uh, they're just backwards yeah. in our listings. Uh, you know, we both have the beginning at number two. So that movie was like a really great showing. I feel like we really both really enjoyed that. Um, and as far as the bottom of our, our middle of the list is, is the same as well. And 2022 and three are right next to each other in our list. They're mm-hmm. just swapped yeah. uh, in each other's list. And our bottom three are the same in our list where they're, they're in different spots. But we both dislike uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Texas Chainsaw the Next Generation, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Um, so many fucking movies with long ass titles. Short, <laughs> shorten your titles, guys. Yeah, yeah, you guys should do that because it makes it hard on me to say all these words right next to each other. Um, but yeah, it was a fun time. It was uh, a good time. I'm very wonder if, if anybody's listening to this. If I just want to know what you guys think because I know you haven't seen all the movies and I have, <laughs> so I want to know if your perception is different than mine because we may have had different experiences. If you have seen the movies do you agree with our rankings do you disagree with our rankings why or why not do you do you love the supposedly beloved text chains on Massacre part two if you do why 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 it's kind of a lot i don't like it i don't like it either yeah remember when when stretch like dances with the don't remind me yeah don't remind me well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this season. Uh, it's our longest season yet. Nine whole freaking episodes. We really appreciate it. Um, we're going to have a our, nice little special soon. We're going to have a nice little special soon. But then our following season is going to be just as long. Oh, it's actually going to be one episode longer. One episode longer. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, right? It's the next season we're doing that I'm really excited about. I feel like the tables are being flipped a little bit because it's the only franchise that I'm like previously familiar with doing this podcast where I've seen like, if not all, most of the movies we are doing saw, which is right now nine movies, but in about a month, 10 movies. 
which we're still really upset about because um, the original release date was late October. Yes, so we and had already planned. They played a little. They played a little switcheroo on us. Yeah, so it's coming up a lot faster than we anticipated. Um, we'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, our, hopefully, we can put out some extra episodes uh, so that we can time the release of our newest uh, podcast uh, for the new Saw movie to its release. Uh, but we'll just see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Pray for me. I'm trying to get a new job. That will give me more time to do more episodes. That's right. Pray for me, guys. We got it. Manifestation. Manifestations, let's, baby. Let's all 2023. Do it. I almost said 2022. My years are off. Yeah. COVID kind of fucked us all up, you know? I don't even know what time of day it is right now. Um, but yeah. I barely know the time of year. So. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next season. Happy season finale. Woo. Bye. Woo. Bye. Thank you for listening to Fright or Flight, a live Oaks Village production. This episode was hosted by Gerald Johnson and Saul Alberto Arzmendi Ochoa. Editing and music composition by Saul Alberto Arzmendi Ochoa.